0: face the difficulties of today and tomorrow. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Policy Dialogue series with alumni, staff, faculty, and students from the University of Maryland School of Public Policy. The views expressed do not represent official positions of the school or alumni network. Our goal is to discuss specific policy solutions that can address and solve the current local, national, and international challenges we face. We are recording this on February 22nd, 2021. My name is Evan Papp and I graduated with the class of 2011 with a focus on international security and economic policy. And I'm the executive producer of Empathy Media Lab, which publishes content on labor, political economy, art and culture. Joining me is fellow alumni, Lee Nguyen, who is a senior associate at Asia Group Advisors and is based in Hanoi, Vietnam. The Asia Group Advisors or AGA is a strategic advisory firm specializing in market entry, government affairs and public policy in Southeast Asia. And Lee graduated from the University of Maryland School of Public Policy, class of 2012. Lee, long time, great to see
0: you. Thanks, Evan, great to see you as well. And uh, thanks for having me today. Um, Glad to be part of uh, this today. Um, So I actually never thought I would go to public policy 10 years back when I started college uh, because it wasn't something that we talk about in Vietnam. And uh, so I came to the US and uh, did my undergraduate in uh, actually initially uh, public relations and then got uh, acquainted to international studies. And that's how I slowly put my feet into public policy international relations. Um, so then I decided to do a graduate degree in public policy um, development um, uh, studies in, at Maryland and uh, that's how I got into public policy. Um, so I graduated came back to Vietnam with the passion to contribute to community development in Vietnam uh, which was why I, um, I was working for the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies for uh, my first uh, six years, and then with the World Health Organization in Vietnam and uh, Bangkok offices, um, and then um, I only got into public policy consultancy within the past uh, one year and seven eight months, um, so it's still uh, relatively new to me, and uh, but um, it's been interesting, and I'm glad um, I've got down this path.
1: How has the government handled COVID so so far in Vietnam?
0: Um, so uh, I, I have to say, uh, compared to other countries, I think Vietnam is in a relatively good position um, in terms of COVID handling and in terms of um, the COVID uh, situation. So as, actually, as of today, we only have over 2,000 cases and the death stands at 35, which is really extremely low compared to other parts of the um, of the region or in the world. Um, So the Vietnamese government has been um, uh, lauded for the relatively effective handling of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, in Vietnam uh, because the government uh, was uh, very decisive from the on-start. So they actually uh, closed down the border since March when the other parts of the world were still questioning whether this was really a pandemic, Uh, there was really a pandemic happening. And uh, uh, the government also enforced very strict and aggressive health checks and contact tracing from that moment. And uh, foreigners coming to Vietnam or Vietnamese coming to Vietnam were on a 14-day quarantine from March 2020. Um, and uh, the Vietnamese government also uh, took a very... Um, I think they were very effective in the use of mass media, also thanks to their ability to um, to control mass media in Vietnam. But they were able to put out very consistent messaging efforts and um uh, and contact tracing information of the infected so um so that's why i think vietnam was in a very has been a very um in a very uh, uh controlled place in terms of the spread of the pandemic
1: that's that's great um, to hear that's i mean it's it's really beautiful we obviously in the united states uh have struggled to have a federal policy um, for the first year we're, we're trying to put one together now but uh it was completely um moved away from a federal coherent policy to just do state by state and we saw that that has not worked um, at all so i'm glad to hear that uh people are healthy there and uh that you're not um being devastated by by it as in some places so t- talking a little bit about your work in the Asia Group Advisors. Uh, could you talk about the background and what it is and uh, any projects that you may want to uh, discuss that you're working on?
0: So I think you have already provided a very good uh, overview of Asia Group Advisors and what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're a public policy co- uh, and government relations consulting firm uh, based in Singapore, but we cover Southeast Asia region. So basically, um, right now we have uh, offices in seven countries in uh, um, Southeast Asia, including Vietnam. So uh, I'm with the Hanoi office and uh, we're supporting uh, businesses um, entering or looking to enter Vietnam or those who have been in Vietnam for years, but uh, looking to um, expand their market or uh, wanting to keep up to date to, um, on policies developments uh, that will affect their business. Uh, plans in Vietnam. So, right now we cover um host of sectors, including from ICT, uh, fintech, um, to uh, manufacturing, uh, rye hilling and uh, a number of other sectors.
1: Very cool. And I, I saw that you recently co authored an article titled uh, Vietnam's New Leadership Picks Compromise and Concessions Between Factions Bode Well for National Stability. And you and your co-author wrote Vietnam's Communist Party has settled on its party chief and proposed top candidates, which altogether would make up a new four-pillared leadership for the next five years. So could you discuss who are those four pillars and uh, what they are setting out to um, to implement in public policy? Mm.
0: Uh, so in Vietnam, the government is made up of uh, the uh, main populist, uh, the first one, which is the most uh, powerful In the country, uh, you know, as you know, Vietnam is the um, is a communist um, uh, party uh, state. So the most powerful position is the head of the party, uh, which is the general secretary. Um, So right now, uh, the um, general secretary, uh, um, Coombe, state president, is uh, Mr. Nguyen Phu Trong, who has been holding the general secretary position for two terms, uh, but he has been uh, reappointed, uh, re-elected by the party con by the recent party congress to stay on for a third term, which is unprecedented. Um, so he's probably seen as the most powerful man in the country uh, in the last few decades since the country reunification. Also oh, since um, Ho Chi Minh, and um, it's most likely that he will stay on to hold the gen- general secretary role, uh, whereas the other three uh, positions, um, the state president, um, the prime minister, and the chairman of the National Assembly positions have been um, appointed um, uh, by the party congress, but will need to wait for approval by the National Assembly.
1: And so that brings me to the, the next question in your article. You talk about some economic reforms that are being implemented. What what are those economic reforms?
0: Um, so actually, Vietnam has implemented uh, the or economic and political reforms since the late 1980s. Uh, but um, – and we've been a number of uh, – we've seen a number of uh, developments in Vietnam, uh, both domestically and internationally in terms of um, uh, uh, political and economic uh, reforms. Uh, for example, Vietnam is uh, implementing a socialist-oriented market economy. Um, so it's taken a, um, a huge strides towards a liberalization and uh, privatization in, uh, of the economy. Uh, what is called privatization in Vietnam is called uh, equitization of um, uh, state-owned enterprises. So because a large, a huge number of um, large enterprises in Vietnam are still state-owned, um, the government in the past few years have been progressing towards um, the equitization process, uh, but which have been uh, quite slow due to a number of um, administrative procedures and other issues. I won't go into details um, this time. Um, but uh, Vietnam has also made progress in terms of joining um, various uh, free trade agreements, like, the, um, a- a- like joining ASEAN in 1995 or uh, WTO in 2007, uh, but also very recently the uh, Comprehensive uh, Trans-Pacific uh, uh, Partnership, uh, the CPTPP, which the US was supposed to be a part of, uh, but pulled out uh, last minute, uh, as well as the um, European Union-Vietnam Uh, uh, Free Trade Agreement and the um, RCEP, Regional Comprehensive um, Economic Partnership, uh, which was uh, just uh, ratified last year. Um, So, and in terms of domestic policies, Vietnam has also implemented a number of um, economic uh, reforms, including the new investment and enterprise now which are looking to provide additional incentives for foreign uh, direct investment, as well as um, especially in high tech uh, and environment, uh, environmental friendly uh, industries and sectors, and also reduce the cost of doing uh, businesses for foreign investors in Vietnam.
1: So the so, US, yeah, pull, pulling out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership that was signed under Obama, and then uh, the Trump administration Pulled out, and the the countries of I believe there there's many different countries, but the Trans-Pacific Partnership was between Australia, Brunei, Canada, Chile, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, Singapore, Vietnam, and the U.S. And then, as you mentioned, uh, you the the group of nations without the U.S. ended up signing the comprehensive and progressive agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, and. What are your the thoughts in general about from from the Vietnamese side about the U.S. getting back into a trade alliance? Is there some hesitancy because of the the whiplash of the change in policies and things like that?
0: Um, no, I think in general Vietnam. I mean, Vietnam look at this side, but in general, Vietnam has been pretty open uh, to uh, facilitate trade with foreign partners, especially the European Union, the U.S., amongst others. And I think Vietnam, um, in uh, in principle, really welcomes the U.S. to um, uh, to be part of the uh, CPTPP or whatever version it is um, with the U.S. Uh, but uh, and uh, but definitely it would be in the interest of the U.S. to um, join the CPTPP, um, especially with the China being uh, part of the RCEP agreement, which is the largest agreement. <laughs> Um, in in the world, um, so to date, um, so it gives um, China a definitely a definitely an advantage with uh, partners, um, trade partners in ASEAN. Um, so I think definitely it's in the U.S. benefit to uh, to be part of um, such an agreement with the uh, re, uh, with the um, um, Asian regional uh, partners.
1: I think one of the the issues that came up were some agricultural protections in Japan, for instance. Uh, There's environmental concerns sometimes and also labor protections. Uh, Do you have some thoughts about how we can ensure that uh, the labor protections are enforced everywhere throughout the partnership and it's not just a race to the bottom to, to one place or the other that may be exploiting labor or environmental standards?
0: Um, So I think in the region, and particularly Vietnam, uh, Vietnam has made a number of commitments to improve um, environmental and labor rights. Um, For example, with the EVFTA, this is, um, so with RCEP, it's not um, so heavily focused because it's more focused on the tariffs uh, reduction amongst the partners. But with the EVFTA in particular, um, it's where environmental standards and and labor uh, labor rights protection are really uh, brought forward. um, And Vietnam has committed to a number of improvements. And uh, in in the process of um, uh, negotiating the EVFTA, Vietnam has also made concessions by amending its labor code last year, along with a number of implementing regulations uh, as well as um, enforcing uh, um, environmental standards in uh, in uh, uh, recent as well as upcoming um, uh, investment projects so we've seen Vietnam making uh, definitely making concessions in these arenas and I think the same can be made with other countries in the region
1: it's great to hear and there's always the the threat of sometimes in the liberalization process that you that countries um, remove some of the protections of of the people and things like that, so it's it's good to take that you know very measured uh, reform pace. And I appreciate you filling me in because I'm um, not knowledgeable and I've never been to Vietnam, so I, I appreciate you explaining it to me. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: and so looking into the future of Vietnam international relations policy, where do you see opportunity and hope?
0: I think Vietnam will continue to uh, to hold balance uh, between openness uh, to globalization and foreign trade while protecting domestic businesses and government control over important assets, um, especially including information and data, uh, which, is, um, and, uh, which is a huge uh, and important um, asset for um, countries, not just Vietnam in uh, the last as well as in coming years.